And we're back. Welcome to To Lovecraft and Back with your host, Aaron Michael Johnson, and the one and only Take It Away. Uh, it's the only one in Mike. Yeah, that's fine. Now, it's your boy, Mike, coming from the Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well today. And yes, you're here with another episode of To Lovecraft and Beyond. How you feeling today, Aaron? How's your day going? Oh, I'm feeling great. I had a productive day catching up with this awesome, awesome episode. How about you? Oh, man, I watched it this morning just to make sure that I, you know, visually in my head, I see what everything that I want to talk about and, you know, get into the mode of actually talking about the actual episode. So further ado, this is episode two, Whitey's on the Moon, which I think that is so funny. But when it comes down to it and you hear the poem or the dialogue that happens later in the, I think that's the third act of the episode. Mm -hmm. It just plays well with it and everything. But on this recovery from their terrible night of the episode one, we see Letty and George at this nice surroundings of this mansion. And we see a Tacitus getting more suspicious of where they are, which is the Adoram Lodge host. And then we get our, a glimpse of Christina birthright. And her elusive father, Samuel, who I can't wait to talk about because he is one of my favorite actors. He was in Scandal, so I can't wait to get into him. But, you know, Tick is very curious about his birthright, and he wants to know what is going on with the Sons of Adams. And we find them stumble on a cruise against Mortros, and we're welcome to a whole thing of different antics, memory lanes, and surveillance that I cannot wait to talk about because that was some creepy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. that was very creepy. So let's talk about this opening scene with the good old Jefferson's theme song. <laughs> uh, I think that was amazing. Um, yeah, I love To it. see them all in their different rooms and let's just say two people in their rooms right now because one right. person was still shook before we get into him but see george and letty just you know basking <laughs> in the glory of the things that they were like given of uh, right. their treasures or the what their their the rewards that they were given for being in this house you know you have george he says he has his library he has all these books we know george loves to read you see letty with all these different clothes and these fashions and everything and she's just you know jumping around dancing and just changing out the clothes out the well, and it's iconic. Really I will give you that, girl. You, whoever is the costume designer for this show, kudos to making Letty look fabulous in her little runway run around of the room that she was doing. How did you feel about this opening scene? I was I was thrown off by the Jeffersons theme song, but it was a really good insight because you got to see what their biggest wants were. The you right. know on a uh, on a very shallow level. Uh, I just, you know, you love to see, you know, these characters that you've grown accustomed to so happy, you know, that right. that's mostly what, you know, stuck out to me, but I already knew something, something sinister was on its way because it was just a little too calm, it's too a little calm. too good. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, kind of like you alluded to, um, we got to see Lydia and George have a good time, but Tick wasn't having that. Tick was not having it at all. It was like it gave me the theme of everything that everything that glitter is not gold. And exactly. I felt like George and Letty was glittering. 
But Mr. Tick over there was like <laughs> sitting in that chair, like shook. I think he was just shook and trying to process everything that had ha- happened last night and all up until him getting to Chicago and then going on this road trip, being chased by these firemen, almost killed, being saved by this mysterious white woman. Like all of this is playing in his head. And it's just like, okay, what's going on? Like, what's the real thing? What's the real deal? What, like, because you can tell he did not let it go at all. Like, right. he did not. It was still. I, I guarantee that man didn't get no sleep that night. No, like, he did not. not get no sleep. So it was very, like you said, it was very curious to see. Like, they're having a good time, but he's not having a good time. He's still <laughs> processing and playing what he's right. going through or what they all went through. So right, and then we hear this bell ding-a-ling ding 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 that was very creepy, right? Creepy, and we see our knight in shining armor, William. That's his name for the rest of this whole series. He's the knight in shining armor because he's blonde head, blue eye, all put together man, and just looking, you know, perfect. But is he perfect? How did you feel when they were coming out their rooms and he tell them, "Hey, we have lunch." I, <laughs> I was, I was, conv- I remember watching it the first time and even rewatching it. I was convinced William was going to somehow kill them right there, right then and there, and then prove there was some big mystical, you know, analogy. And then a p- another part of me was also thinking he was H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, like, I, I really thought that. that. I think the very first time I saw it, um, even going off of you know the ending of the first episode when he welcomed Tick in, I swore he was H.P. Lovecraft, right? Uh, just because you know, like their you know their universe's version, I was like, oh well, they're about to break the fourth wall and figure out that they're in a, a show or a book or something. But no, no, they went somewhere completely different, which. You know, it was interesting to me, but I think what kind of upped the creep factor was when he was basically serving them. And, you know, he admitted to serving, you know, these three black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Tick could remember what happened that previous night. Right. I thought that was like, you know, he's the only one that remember. And then he's sitting there asking them when they're at the dinner, when they're at the lunch table outside, like, so y'all don't remember the monsters. Like you don't remember nothing. They're like, what? Then they think about it and they can't recognize anything right. that happened to them. Like it's just a blank. It's just a, you know, boom. Like there's nothing. They just remember everything up until when they was being chased by the firemen and everything. They don't remember right. the cabin. They don't remember having this little almost triumphant, you know, feel of defeating those monsters. So and see, it was my very, question very creepy. And my question is, are there were there more people that they did this to? Right. You know, were there more? And you know, I, I have a feeling that it, you know, that that is the case, but you know, it just it opens up a lot of possibilities and a lot of questions when you have this kind of setup. Right. It's a lot of setup. So um with that being set up, let's talk about the sons of Adams and let's talk about how, you know. Miss Christina and her dad, because I think that is just it's a it's a complex relationship. Like you can already see that 
Christina is trying to please her dad, but her dad is just trying to do what he wants to do for himself and basically find that key or that blood that can get him into the Garden of Eden for he can have his immortality. So, you know, he's very obsessed with it. He wants to put everything in place and be able to have that that immortal life. And, you know, we all know now that, you know, Tick is that person. So it's like he wants to use him for his, you know, his blood and everything. So how are you feeling about their whole relationship and them being... I'm going to sound like a broken record, but for some crazy reason, I thought when we first met um, him, I thought he was H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> because I, I was just, I was really convinced H.P. was going to show up throughout this, you know, this big mansion. I think that was a really interesting dynamic because, you know, in the book, Christina didn't exist. Right. Um, basically... I really liked, you know, how they kind of set up that, you know, there's this, um, there's a trust between, you know, this father and daughter, but at the same time, there's a distrust mostly coming from Christina because she's like, you know, no matter how hard I work, my dad's not going to let me in the sons of Adam. She, you know, and his, I'm, if anybody knows me, uh, I'm a pretty big on religious horror, you know, aspects and just that whole garden of Eden, you know, plot point that was very interesting to me because, you know, he, you know, goes around quoting the Bible. He's obsessed with, you know, calling himself Adam, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just thinking, well, where is his Eve? And, you know, then I was like, well, does that mean Christina's Eve or is she Lilith? And, you know, that goes in a whole other, you know, Christian aspects, but like that whole, you know, father, that father daughter dynamic that wasn't in the book brought a different, you know, air of just kind of severity that I don't think was originally there and have tick kind of in the middle of this, you know, between these two white people, you know, because this obviously is a commentary on um, what we can go into it further later, but a commentary on feminism Mm. and mostly like white feminism within, you know, that, especially during that time, you know, because this is, you know, the 50s. And just to have Tick caught in the middle of this and, you know, kind of kind of feeling like Christina's an ally. Right. Um, I think that was very interesting, you know, just, just that whole thing. But then I have to ask, how long have they been watching Tick? Right. Because, you know, she was in the first episode. Well, how long has her father been watching? How long has the whole Sons of Adam been watching? Did they right. watch him since, you know, the war? Like, this, there is some... It's a lot of questions because yeah. when you say how long have they been watching him? Because how did you know that? How, for my thing was how did you know George loved books? How did right. you know that Letty could fit all these clothes? Like how long have you been watching this family? Like you obviously knew that Tick had a birthright to this yeah. whatever. Like you obviously knew that he was the key to your immortal living. So like you said, how long have y'all been watching this man? So that, oh, that that's really crazy that you said that. <laughs> how long have you been watching him? Um, to keep things rolling, uh, we see them. Well, we see Tick goes off into the town of Ar- Ardaham, and this town is creepy. Like I don't care what yeah. nobody says. It's just the way that it's set up. The kids running around and everything, but. 
we come across him running up on this woman after he hears that whistle. Um, I do want to point out the fact that, you know, Lady was saying maybe he's having, you know, PTSD for him being in a war and everything like that. And it was funny how he walked up and said, nah, this is not that, you know, this is not what's going on. Like, it's some creepy stuff going on. I can feel it. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. That whistle blows and we see this lady with these two dogs and she's like, you know, y'all need to be careful, blah, blah, blah. And you need to you need to be aware of your surroundings and everything like that. And, you know, get in before the sun goes down. It's like, okay, what are you trying to say? Like, are you going to hurt them when they're still out? Are you going to, you know, destroy them or anything like kill them or anything? But it was just funny to see that character in particular because going through this episode and going through the series, I'm like, oh, wow. It's just <laughs> this episode and the last episode, it opens up so many doors for other episodes. Um, yeah. But continuing, um, I really want to get into the whole when they get back and everything and we see Titus, not Titus, uh, we see Samuel, which is Fitz. Um, I call him Fitz because he came from Scandal. He's one of my favorite characters from uh, <laughs> Scandal. But to see him play this big role and seeing him on this table talking to his daughter, Christina, and then also, take, and as you said, quoting the Bible, he's very, very obsessed with calling himself Adam. Very obsessed with, you know, gets him what he wants and everything. So I felt like that was, they gave us a little insight on him. It gave us what his end game is, what his goal is. And he really only cares for himself. So I was just really like, okay, he's out for a prize. He knows what he wants. He knows what he needs to get. And you can already tell he was not paying his daughter any attention in that point because Tick didn't quote the Bible when he asked him to. Right. It was her. Right. And it was just like, I heard you. I heard what you said. But, you know, it was more or less of like, you know what he he knows what he wants to do and everything like that. Yeah. Um. So about these rooms. It was very weird <laughs> to see them all have their I don't know, like what they were fighting their own demons. You had Letty with this fake tick. You also had George having this romantic dance or flashback with a lady that was in his wallet. And then you also have Tick fighting with someone from his past. And it was all just different aspects of what they were either wanting or what they were fearful of or what, you know, they had been putting back in their past and not trying to, you know, come to sense with that's what i got from that whole thing it was like you know you have letty who's probably does have this connection with tick and then with them being friends childhood friends and them coming back and seeing each other and then being on this adventure what was left behind can be come back into this new birth love you have george with this lady when we now know is uh, a lady from his past who he was in love with and everything who is possibly it is Tick's mom. So it's like, you know, what is the connection there with them? You know, what happened between why is there strong connection with them? And, you know, cause George was just into it and danced with this woman. And then we have, like I said, Tick with this, with this lady 
and we know that it is Ja'a, Jamie Chung, and but what the, confused me with that is that the tension that they had with each other, it was so much tension with them fighting with each other, so it was more of less like, what was the issue for y'all to be so headstrong with each other, right. but with him calling and she not wanting him to leave, and maybe to think that that is what the tension is, like, you know, he didn't want to leave. Well, she didn't want him to leave because she saw, you know, him dying or whatever. And then now it's like he's dealing with that in that room of that's one of his demons that he did not let go. How are you feeling about that whole situation with each one of them going through that, that scene or those scenes? Um, oh, that, that was absolutely the opposite of the opening, you know, Jefferson scene for me. Right. It, it just it kind of. It kind of went back to that Lovecraft, you know, style. Um, it was very creepy, especially, you know, that scene with Liddy and Tick. Uh, it, you know, I obviously caught, you know, the mirroring of uh, the painting, you know, when Tick pulled his pants down and it was like <laughs> that, like that. I was like, okay, so, and then my mind immediately went, well, so is Liddy supposed to be representative of Eve? And right. Adam, you know, and so what is, you know, what is the apple? And, you know, that is, my mind went kind of everywhere, but my main takeaway from that whole thing was, you know, was Uncle George Tick's dad? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, in the vision, you know, his mother, she brought up, she's like, you know, basically, I think Tick is yours. And he's like, no, no, no. We 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 handled that years ago. And that just they kind of let me know that's where their mind is. Um, even with all of all the things that are happening, their demons are still popping up, you know, their personal demons, and that Letty is conflicted with you know how she feels about Tick all of a sudden because that's the only person she feels like she has at this right. point. Because even though you know she has a sister and a brother, that's who she's closest with. George, you know, he left his family behind, you know, to go with another family, basically. And Tick is dealing with, you know, his demons from the war. And I think what makes that scene creepier and even crazier is that these are all just rooms of surveillance from these from the sons of Adam, like they're watching them. And that I think that for me, it kind of felt like eyes wide shut. Um, mm. in, in the big scene where they're all standing around watching, you know, basically this orgy happen. Um, if you hadn't watched that film, it's like <laughs> absolutely watch it. It's it's intense. Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've seen Eyes Watch that, so I will be watching it. Check but it what? <laughs> Check it out. Uh, I if anything, I really feel like. Side note: I feel like this episode <laughs> was inspired by a lot of Eyes Wide Shut because just the setup, the the tone, that eeriness. Um, but yeah, though the Sons of Adam definitely felt like this cultish group just watching these people suffer. Very you know, occult, like seriously, like well, you like. All right, is this entertainment to you to see right. that? And then they were laughing, like they were laughing right. and drinking whatever yeah, they were drinking. Yeah. They were laughing, like. At these three black people go through their trauma, like they were all going through trauma at that point, and they were just, you know, kiki ha ha. And it makes me think what leads to the dinner. Like, is this the pre? Like, is this your entertainment before right. the dinner? Because right after that, we have the dinner, and, see, and, and that then it reminds all- me of slavery. 
Say what? That reminds me of slavery. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, during, you know, having your slaves entertain, you know, the right. master and his guests before. Right. Like, still in the Jim Crow era. Like, did, we yeah. ain't going to no time soon. <laughs> still here like so as you said like yeah that was entertainment to them seeing these black people go through their trauma and seeing them you know deal with what they're gonna do and everything like that so yeah that was crazy on to our dinner statement and seeing um that was kind of cool because i think for me seeing that uncle george stood up for tick when he had known about the bylaws of the Order of Ancient Dawns, I think that was like a good takeaway because it was like these, they were already looking at them like they were crazy. One day was dressed for the part. Tick and Uncle George had their suit on. They was looking fly and everything. And they sat down and it was, it was very informative to see them actually see Uncle George actually stand up and say, no, he is a descendant. He does have a voice in this right now. So let him have his voice. He is a son of among the sons. So let him have his voice. Let him do what he wants and let him say what he has to say. So how are you feeling about that? I guess I guess this is the episode where I'm going to start going deep with the uh with the theories. Oh. So to me that was an awesome scene. It reminded me of like this is going to be so random, but this reminded me a bit of the infamous Denzel scene where he's like, you know, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Right. Then, you know, just having uncle George just stand up and, you know, speak to this huge group of, you know, white men and, you know, essentially intimidate them when he reveals, you know, that tick is, you know, basic, you know, essentially the last son of Adam. You know that right. they're you know praising, but I'm going to go a step further and say that it also takes you know takes my mind to this idea of because just let me preface this with we all you know we're going to go further into you know Tick's relationship with his father, but this scene kind of takes takes my mind to how. Black men look at, you know, a lot of other black men as surrogate fathers if they have family issues. Right. And how, you know, they, you know, they look out for each other and it's, you know, not a very toxic situation. You know, just right. having, you know, and it also reminded me of these, you know, civil rights leaders because Tick could easily be represented as, you know, the the black community, basically, you know, he and Letty and to have uncle George stand up and, you know, do this big eloquent speech, you know, with such diction and then tick saying, you know, get the fuck up out of here. Like that, that automatically, right. Like that, see that, that takes me to to (laughs) how that, you know, that's how, you know, the civil rights movement is. And I'm just like, this is, you know, this, this, this show's got some layers. It it definitely has some layers. So many layers to peel back, and it's it, it's a it's a great opportunity to learn from it because, as you said, for him to stand up for him, and then he has his back of his nephew, mm-hmm. maybe his son, but you know has his ne- has his back of his you know nephew and everything, and you know everybody gets out, 
he has that opportunity to stand on his ground and stay, say what he needs to say because this is his birthright. And he wants to know what is it that I have to do. So, you know, it was a lot to take in for me. Like super a lot. Um, I think next we can talk about going into, you know, them trying to escape. <laughs> um, Keyword is try. Like, right, trying to escape because you see, we see them go down back to that tower and they see that Tick's dad, Montrese is gone. Montrose is gone and everything. And then Uncle George is like, wait a minute. He's looking around, he's searching. Mm-hmm. And he thinks about that book of Monte Carlo, and he was like, "Hmm." Pulls back, he says, "Help me!" Pulls back that rock, and you can tell that Montrose had dug his way out. And right. I thought it was so cool how the scenes played well with each other. How we see the hole, and it looks like his dirt still falling, so you can tell he's probably still crawling out. And then we see boom, his hands burst out, still like you know handcuffs or whatever he was on and then you see him get out and his convention con- convention coming out and just feeling like you know excited and you know he did it by himself he didn't not say he didn't need nobody but he didn't need nobody at that point like he got himself out of that that hole he got himself out and he was very very excited for what he's accomplished and then it was just funny to turn around and see they were all right there like Man, we've been looking for you. Like, what right. you at? Like, we here to save you. And he's like, I don't need you to save me. And it was just like for me, I thought that was just really cool to see. Yes, this family, but it was just really cool to see them all together again. Right. And you know, Tick gets to see that, but it was also that tension there. So, you know, how did you feel? Oof. There was a. Uh... It was a very good metaphor, you know, having, you know, Montrose basically dig himself out of this hole that he created. That's a very good metaphor for, you know, his character. But just immediately, you know, that that whole attitude, like his his change from, you know, being relieved and then turned around and be like, what are you here for? Like, like that was I don't I'm like, what? They just what? like, they, right. you, like you for wrote what? the letter. You wrote like that, that, that is his character. And the thing is, is that that is his whole character, you know, to a T, you know, until obviously till, you know, a little later. But just, ha- you know, that that whole attitude. But it also shows, you know, how intelligent, you know, he is around the whole situation, you know, himself with the whole situation. Still but, don't trust right. But my question is still, how did he get caught up with them in the first place? Right, like because you know so much about the book of Adam, you know so much about where you are and everything like that. Like, what did you do in your past to know about them? So it's like, what have you done for you to be so like knowledgeable of everything that has happened? And then it goes to it as he has his character develop, and we'll go more to it as the podcast goes on, but. As I just said, it made me firstly not trust him for some reason because it just yeah. made me feel like you're doing you're doing things that I don't feel like, you know, it makes it seem like you're hiding something. Right. So, you know. And it also made me think Uncle George was hiding something too. Right. 
Especially when they have that conversation after this whole other big scene with the shooting and everything. So it's like, you know, like, what are y'all hiding? Like, what is the tea? Like, what did you two do or what pack did you make? So I don't know. Like, it was like, now since the series is over, you know, season finale was by now, the season, uh, season finale had just happened this Sunday. But now it's just, you know, everything's makes sense with, his character development. Everything yeah. makes sense for a lot of people's character development as we'll go right. through. But it just, it does make sense sometimes. It really does. But seeing them at the forefront of the beginning of the series, it's just like, what are you going through mm-hmm. to be feeling like this? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, I just, I had so many theories going through my mind, you know, just like with you, I was like, I don't trust this guy because when he, you know, even when he told tick, you know, I didn't write you that letter. I'm like, so is he, so is he somehow plotting with the sons of Adam to like, get all, you know, like it, it was, it was a lot, but you know, you kind of went into it, but just the scene right after where they all, you know, basically steal a car to try to escape and, you know, they get confronted. I was expecting Montrose to sell his family out. Right. I really was. But, you know, for him not to, you know, that also speaks on, you know, the character that we would come to know. Right. um, I'll let you talk about it. Is it bad that I thought when Tick Tick was screaming out for Christina, I just knew Christina was just going to be like, Whoosh, like it's some magic or something, and I'm just in it. And the way she was looking at him, like, I can't help you, and I'm just like, Oh my god, like that scene was so even watching it today, I was just like, Oh my god, like this is a mess. Like, you see this man begging you, but it's just crazy, like they're all driving out, and then it's just this big magical wall, boom, like car crash, everything, and I'm just like, What in the world? Even though I did think they would escape, but I didn't think they would. I right. didn't think it would be like that. And that I think right. for me, that's what the show does. It raises the bar. Yeah, I saw a lot of people saying, um, when this episode had aired, like, oh my god, this felt like a season finale. No, it really felt yeah. like this was like a season finale because it was so many. It was so many ways they could have ended. Like they could have yeah. ended this. Um, they could have ended that episode when. Montrose came up out the ground. That yeah. could have been it. But then they continued to go further. And then they, you know, they're all together in this car. And then boom, it could have ended right there with the boom and then crashing. And, then, you know, but it went a little more further. And you see, you need you see Samuel, you see Christina, and then bam. Samuel shoots Sledding. And then we all just sitting here like, I know y'all didn't put Journey in this show to kill her off in two episodes. Because right. I show said it. Like, no, y'all didn't put her in this show. <laughs> For two episodes to sit up and kill her off, like I think for me that was it was the emotion and the intense. It was very intense for me because I like stuff like that. I like yeah. like lead me on, like let me know, like give me the little stuff that make me feel like oh my god, oh my god, are you really about to sit up here and kill Journey? Like are you really about to sit right. up here and do this? And then you go, and then he makes another shot, and then you cut the screen flat. No shade, it could have ended right there. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was going to end right there. Right, I, I thought it ended right there, but then oh, right. I gotta talk about the next scene. But like they, the way this last 15, 20 minutes of this show was was some good 
ass writing, some good, you know, some good like teasing because, like you said, it could have ended at any of those scenes, but they kept going, so it made it more intriguing to watch and see how it would end. So, yeah, and going to that next scene after that, whew, you see them, uh. Mr. Tick sprawled out like he on the cross. And I'm just like, Lord, why they got this man like this? Like, <laughs> but it's just crazy because he's been, you know, prepped and prepared for this ceremony for the sons of Adam. And, you know, like as Samuel said, you know, you do what I ask, I will save them. And the fact that he had to go that far, that just tells you what who Samuel is. Samuel wants his yeah. immortality. He wants to live forever. He wants the power of just, you know, ruling. So you can tell that was his end game. He doesn't care about Tick. He doesn't care about his daughter. He doesn't care about none of them. He cares about his only goal, and that's for him to have Im- Im- immortality. So to see them, you know, prepping him up and him having this conversation with Christina, and I have a soft spot for Christina, but only because I feel like Christina... um. I like witches. I like magic. So the what she gives off, it gives me life. Yes, she's a white woman. Yes, she's doing all these things with black people. But for me, like the supernatural, the supernatural aspect of that character is what's giving me life. Because when she did that spell and didn't let him out that door earlier, previously in the scene, I was like, okay, she got power. She has magic. She's a baddie. Like she knows some things, but. To see her explaining everything and giving him this ring and telling him, like, I've wanted these rings and I've never gotten any of these rings. And you, you come in here and you get this ring automatically because you have the blood and you have what he wants. You can tell it's still more tension with her and her dad. And you can tell she on her own has an end game for herself. How did you feel with all of that going on? That, um, I'm glad we brought this one up. I was going to bring it up earlier, <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't. Uh, that kind of, you know, for me, sets up that there was going to be, you know, some, you know, obviously some tension between Christina and Samuel, but also Christina and Tick, because, you know, the underlying from that whole speech, you know, when she's giving him the ring, you know, that she's always wanted since she was a little girl, that told me, you know, that Christina's basically saying, I, you know, I, this white girl, am seeing less of, you know, anything my father respects even a black person you know and especially in those times, it's, you know, in the, you know, in the 50s, Jim Crow era, like, Christina's like, my father respects this black man that he wants to sacrifice more than his own daughter. Like Mm -hmm. that, that for me, you know, is like, okay, Christina, she's a very complicated character. And, you know, what I really like about that is, you know, she's, she's making all these promises, you know, tick and, you know, kind of inching him that he can, you know, do something, you know, basically to undermine, you know her father and i'm like okay so is she a good guy is she a villain you know what's what's her end game and that is you know that for me shows a very well-written character because she's not necessarily evil but you you know you don't really want to root for her you know she's like the character you love to hate 
Like, I just, I really, you know, like this aspect because before that, I was just like, who is this girl? Why is she, you know, walking around making, you know, empty, empty promises? Like, it just, it's a very interesting uh, character that they're setting up with her. And just to know that, you know, like she, like I said, she's basically giving a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that she can, that Tick can get out of this and, you know, live. I'm just like, right. okay, so she's got her own plans. Right. Uh, you know, I, I was on plan. Yeah, I was wholeheartedly expecting her to create the daughters of Adam under, to undermine her father. I was really expecting that. Wow, when hey, 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 now the daughter of Adams, that could be something that they bring in season two. No shade, because right. that I, I didn't even think about that. Right. Like, whoa, that is something, hmm, that's something really to put a pin on the daughters of Adams, right? Um, but yeah, you can tell she had her own end game, like she is just, and then when you see the ceremony happening and you see everything, it's just. You can tell that Samuel just knew that he was going to get what he wanted and everything right. like that. And, you know, you can tell that things could go a little left or could go a little right. I was just, I wanted things to go right for a tick and the family because I honestly did not want them to actually have to, you know, get. I didn't want Samuel to have what it was because I feel like Tick and them had already been through a lot already. So, yeah. you know, it's like I want Tick to have what he, you know, what he deserves. And I want him to have, you know, his relationship with his father and everything like that. And in that scene with him talking to Christina, we did see Letty come back. We have a conversation with George and Montrose. And that's that whole conversation where, you know, George said, well, he might not be yours. And it's just like, it's so many sets up for future episodes and future tension and future development of all the characters. So it's very, you know, it's very intriguing and very interesting. So it was, yeah, that was, it was really, really good. Get to the ceremony and, you know, Samuel is casting his spell and, you know, everything is going haywire and everything lightning and thundering and all this and that but the beautiful thing about this whole scene was yes you saw that the portal was opening up the whole garden of eden and everything but what was so intriguing to me was that when he put that ring on and when he had his hand up and everything but that ring had that smoke coming out so it made me feel like did christina put something on the on the ring but also, as we see that the, the the portal is opening, we also see his great, 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 great grandmother, Hannah. So with this book, so it's like, was it her? Was it Christina putting a spell on the on the ring? Like, what was those things that were happening in that whole transport transpiration of that scene? Right. Right. That um. I think once you saw, you know, let's just call her Big Mama for right now. Once you saw yes, Big, Big Mama, Mama, you know, with, with the with the book of names essentially right. uh inter you know intertwining with the you know, Letty coming back to life, you know, being like, Oh my god, did I really just get shot? Uh that whole conversation between George and Montrose and then, you know, Tick just 
opening up the Garden of Eden. Like, and my question is, was that really the Garden of Eden? You know, or they open up just a whole nother dimension. Um, right. I, had, I love that they've know, been opening up dimensions and right, we'll get, and they just finally that found later. something. Like I just, I that was very. You know, that's a lot to to have in such a short, you know, amount of time. You know, I, right. I wholeheartedly agree when you know everybody was saying this is season finale potential because that that was a lot to take in. Right, but you know that that setup with with Big Mama with the book, I'm just like okay. Who is this? You know, why right. obviously important. I thought she was um like Harriet Tubman's sister. I, I don't know what they were trying to set up, <laughs> but I was just like, okay, well, this is important. This other scene's important, and you know, just um that's you know, still have George basically dying, you know, right with all of that. That let me know, like, even though you know something good's going to come out of this because, you know, Christina basically, you know, was given tick a wink, but like there's still tension because if, you know, if all is said and done, is George going to survive? And I am hell bent at that point to be like, well, George is obviously going to get healed because in the right. book, you know, he's, you know, he's fine. However, yeah, we'll that in a second. <laughs> Oh, because mm, mm. <laughs> we got that in our notes right now, and now we can go ahead and get into it because, like, you know, like what, like, man, you killed George off, like, I don't know, like, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, the whole thing, boom, the power, the dang, like, all the um, Samuel and his whole crew, boom, turning the stones, like, tick. Yeah. I thought, you know, never mind. Tick was Green Lantern at that moment, right then. Powerful, <laughs> and he had just, you know, boom! Like yes. they all turn into stone. Everything is crumbling around them. We get this first glimpse of Big Mama running out with this book, and she turns and looking. The whole place is in flames while it's crumbling. So it's two. You're getting two different. You're getting present and you're getting past at the same right. time. Love you, writers, for doing that. Love you, everybody yeah. who did that. Absolutely. Getting that present and you're getting that past because that past will continue to set up the future of this series. So that was good. But it's just, you know, Tick, he's excited because he's getting out. He's everything. And then, you know, Lady comes up to him and, you know, she's embracing him and everything. And then to see... You know, it's for him to, you know, she she didn't even have to say it. She just gave him that look mm-hmm. and gave him that shook in that eye. And you can tell that he knew that Uncle George had passed away. And I want to know what was. I I mean, especially now with the season of I want to know what was, you know, her. What was her reasoning for that? Like. Right. You know, he's a pillar, but at the same time, I get it. So, I mean, we both can say that we were really hurt about that. <laughs> yeah. It, it um, I, I'm certain, you know, just for, you know, story, story wise, you know, it was supposed to put some hair on Tick's chest, essentially. You know, it reminds me of, you know, those superhero origin stories, you know, where the, the parental figure to parental figure, you know, dies you know, from their own hand, but I'm just like, why, why uncle George, what did, what did Unc do to you? 
Right. Yeah, with some bad knees. Why why you kill him off? <laughs> that why, why you do that? Like it was it was um that is that's one of the few choices I, I just I'm like you take one of the most likable characters, you know, and I, I know it's gonna be good drama from it, you know, because we get right. better episodes about it, but I'm just like Oh, that was yeah, at that point. I was like, okay, girl, what did that, you but that do? also lets you know how well the writing and the directing was. Yes, yes, know, and Courtney B. Vance's, you know, acting because you know they could have easily had Uncle George be this, you know, boring character where you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he's, he's obviously gonna die. Oh, well, right, whatever, you know, well written and real, just well overall. And I said again, like I said last time, top tier, unmatched, absolutely top tier and unmatched so you know it was a great ending a great setup i mean we ended that episode with that happening and everything and you know um it was good overall thoughts it was a good episode like you said it does feel like a season finale because there's a lot of things happening but it's a i don't think it's like a season finale is a season finale of opening of the new things for what's right. going to happen. It sets right. up a lot of things for the future of so four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, you know, it sets up a lot of things for the show. So it was another good show in my book. Absolutely. That was, it was, um, it was really refreshing though, you know, just, we really got into the Lovecraft aspects, you know, I, the other, the, I, I, we didn't bring this up, but that birthing area, you know, where they were birthing these monsters from a cow, right. you know, basically using, you know, spell work like that, that's pure Lovecraft. I'm, I, I swear, I'm going to say this at least once an episode It's pure it's okay. Lovecraft. Supposed to say it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I just, I, you know, it oh, really if you want, was, you can explain it. It was, uh, you know, just having, just having this, um, you know, this monsters, you know, these, you know, otherworldly beings, you know, being birthed from something, you know, from our dimension, basically, right? You know, from a creature that you know everyone you know knows, and you know that goes, you know, that goes into a lot of theories about like aliens, you know, and you know these reptilians and all this stuff being birthed from like you know cows and things like that. You know, they definitely did their homework, you know, with yes. the uh, conspiracy theories. But like that, you know, this whole episode, you know, it like you said, it was basically the ending of what episode one promised us because you know we don't have. You know, it's like sundown town on steroids. It's a sundown town because when the sun goes down, there's witchcraft and monsters, you know, everywhere. Oh, yes. But I just, you know, I, I think, you know, once that episode ended, you were like, okay, what, you know, truly whatever episode one told me the show was about, whatever the first 30 minutes told me the show was about of episode two, you can forget it because this is true. Lovecraft horror, you know, yes. with everything. Yeah, I I second that. Like, yeah, because it's as we go on and we get deeper into each episode, it's just so many elements that they do touch on from the Lovecraft universe. But there's so many different elements that they touch on with more of the character development, the more of the monsters and everything, and the more of the parallels of you know the racist aspect of racism, like 
It's so many things that they touch on. The Misha did a great job. Jordan Peele does a great job. JJ did a great job of everything that they have done to bring this series to life. And, Absolutely. you know, like I said, I can't wait to get more into it because it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's encouraging. I mean, for us as two people who want to write and bring to life our own ideas that we have, it's very encouraging. So, we appreciate we appreciate the show. We appreciate the creators, and we are super excited to see what we have gotten thus far. Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah. All right. So we and thank you for enjoying this episode of Two Lovecraft and Beyond. I mean, Two Lovecraft and Bat. You can follow us at LCB Pod on Twitter, and we will catch you next time. Have a great and scary rest of your day. (laughs) 